Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. Still here in Indianapolis. Lovely, lovely city. Home of great shrimp cocktails. I'm sure you've heard that before. <laughs> I'm here with Scott Docterman from The Athletic. Scott covers Iowa, but I have just learned that Scott basically is the next Mel Kuyper <laughs> or Todd McShay. I, I'm looking over these beautiful handwritten notes. Scott, show that to the camera. If you're watching on the YouTube stream... This is some of the, well, some of the finest handwriting you're ever going to see. But look, I mean, it is, the detail is incredible. Mm-hmm. These, are, these are the stats from different NFL teams from last year, right? Yeah, this is from the, the defensive side of the ball. And then also I, I go through player salary, how many people are under contract, uh, how many defensive ends, defensive linemen. I do that just to try to give a good projection as to where I think some players are going to Scott, end up. this is scaring me because <laughs> obviously you're a very valuable part of this show that we do. You're extremely valuable to us at The Athletic with your, your coverage of Iowa owning that beat uh you're gonna get hired as a capologist by an nfl team and then we're gonna be screwed so this is this is scaring me here a little bit yeah the job security in that market is is kind of on a whim a little bit a <laughs> little bit but uh, but yeah no we uh we, we gotta talk about that, that that well the penmanship is just i can't even read my own handwriting how how do you manage to write this beautifully because I print it, and it takes a lot of time. Because if you were to go through some of my Sanskrit here, ah. you know, like this. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That, that looks more like what I do. That's a reporter's notebook. Okay. But, uh, this is sitting down, trying to jot it down so I can read it. So we've, we're still here in Indianapolis. We're, as we're recording this on Thursday afternoon, uh, the corners have talked. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're getting the quarterbacks on Friday morning. Uh, the, the corners will be running tomorrow and, and working out and the quarterbacks and, and receivers will work out on Saturday. Big dudes show up Saturday, work out Sunday. This has been a, a interesting time so far. All the Jalen Carter stuff right. hit on on Wednesday as we were waiting for, for the defensive lineman to talk. But you've got a couple guys you covered here. I, I, I'm very interested in uh, Lucas Van Ness, mm-hmm. who's an edge rusher from Iowa, who I Dane Brugler, our, our draft analyst, says he's going to jump up the draft boards, you know, test really well here. He's an interesting one because they didn't, he's not like an every down player at Iowa. And it kind of reminded me a little bit of AJ Epinesa, the way they used him. Although they're kind of the opposite person. AJ was technically perfect, but not athletically perfect. Mm -hmm. Lucas is the athletic freak who has, you know, some, some upside technically where he can he can actually get better there right yeah i mean aj was a, an oak in the forest he was yeah. tough he was a hard-nosed pass rusher you know in 2018 as you're referencing he was a backup and he led the big 10 in sacks that's crazy parker hesse was his yep. uh, the guy ahead of him who was a four you know he was a four-year starter senior and then he's, he's playing tight end with the atlanta falcons right now by the way he's, yeah he's so uh, good athlete yeah, yeah he's a good athlete but aj was a little more proficient but what they did, decided to do i mean parker at that point and this is the same case here yeah off the charts as far as character yep. you know work ethic tough dude guy everybody wanted to follow and so they 
that you know he had a lot of equity in the system, so mm -hmm. he stayed there. AJ, so you're talking about Parker Hesse, yeah, not Park Phil Parker, the uh, defensive coordinator. Yeah, <laughs> he, he has a lot of equity yeah, too. In he the has system. lots of equity, you know, a lot of equity. But but then uh, this year, um, Lucas Van Ness is is a little bit different because Epineza was a five star, yeah. so everybody knew he was going to play. Um, Van Ness was kind of like the third or fourth guy in his recruiting class. Came during the COVID year, was just kind of a, a guy during that mm -hmm. fall. Last uh, in 2021, he played more interior. Yeah. Which is kind of, wow, I didn't expect that to happen. Um, but he built himself up to where he played in their kind of their NASCAR package mm -hmm. when they when they go third down pass rush. And then they knew they wanted to boom him outside. But I had two fifth-year starting s seniors. Yeah. You know, that it's two of them had started for two years. So it was like, do you bump them out? Well, I, I brought this. I keep all the, their snap uh, charts. And, of course you do. And, and so, <laughs> so, you know, uh, at the end of the year, Van Ness ended with eight fewer snaps than Joe Evans. Mm -hmm. But that's because he didn't play nearly as much in the bowl game. Yeah. Which I think he'd already made his decision, so they're moving on with right. other people. So, but, uh, so during the regular season, Van Ness had more snaps than all the other defensive ends. Just wasn't officially a start. Yeah. It's funny because you see that as a criticism of, of Kirk Ferentz and, and the way he handles things. But... I have very little problem with how Phil Parker manages his people in right. general because he gets the results you want. They get drafted. Yeah. Like there's just it, there's nothing you can criticize about yeah. Iowa's defense. The other side of the ball we have and we yeah. will, you know, a little but, bit. Drive for three twenty five <laughs> continues exactly. So. But yeah, they have four defenders here. They were, you know, they averaged three point nine nine yards per play last year, which was the best since Bama in two thousand seventeen. And they didn't have the benefit of playing their own offense. Right. Everybody else did. <laughs> can you even imagine? Uh, well, I guess they practiced, but yeah, that was not. Those were not good practices, <laughs> by the way. Well, another guy who who talked today who we're going to see work out on on Friday is Riley Moss the the cornerback and uh he got some got some looks and mm -hmm. got some questions today and look we're not going to make this a political thing mm -hmm. or or however you want to frame it he's a white cornerback let's right. just be, let's right. just put it out there and he if if all goes according to his plan will be the first white dude to start a corner in the NFL since Jason Seahorn now, he does not want to be a cause. Right. He's made that very clear. Mm -hmm. And it, it's just, but but I do think it's interesting because that is something like on teams, like it's the, the players get a kick out of it a lot more. People think there's like serious conversations yeah. going on. A lot. No, they uh, just think it's, they just think it's fun. Yeah, it, it's never really been an issue. And, and even the players here, Kayvon Merriweather, who's one of his teammates for five years, they came in the same recruiting class. He came in with Juju Brents, too, yeah. from, from Kansas State. And they've they've kind of joked about it. Like, Kayvon's like, you know, hey, that white boy can run. You know, <laughs> it's just things like that. And it's true. He's he's going to – he's his target is 4.38 wow. in the 40. And I, I think he'll hit He played great in the senior bowl practices, yeah. too. So, you know, it, it looks like he's going to wind up being a starting NFL cornerback. And uh, I thought Deontay Lee from, I believe he's from uh, Pro Football Focus, a, a very good draft analyst. <laughs> the way he put it was, he's like, I don't want to make anything out of this, but it is weird seeing him getting the kind of questions that that black quarterbacks got in the 80s and 90s. And I was trying to explain that to my son the other day because it, it Going to the Super Bowl, it was the first matchup of, of two black quarterbacks, right. starting quarterbacks in the Super Bowl. And he's like, why are they Why are they even talking about this? And I said, because when I was a kid, yes. it was a whole thing. And like poor Warren Moon had right. to justify, like, and it, it, it didn't make any sense. And it was it was dumb. And it's, it's dumb for any position. Like, right. if you can play, 
you can play. And Deontay had the, the great the great line where he said, judge him by the content of his tape, talking about Riley Moss. And it's true. It's it's a it, it's a weird situation. And again, we're not going to turn this into something mm-hmm. it's not. But it is something that I guarantee you when he shows up at camp, yeah. it's going to be a thing. And his his teammates are going to have some fun with him. Absolutely. It's gonna, It's a lot like basketball. Yeah. Until you prove you can play, people are going to doubt you. And in his case, he is a, an incredible athlete. Uh, he's been able to, I mean, he set the Iowa State hurdles record. Ran like 14-1 in yeah. the 110. The hurdlers are just different. Yeah. Like Robert Griffin III was yeah. a hurdler. Those, those dudes are athletes yes <laughs> it's it's incredible and uh so yeah it's it's going to be a talking point for sure it was way back when he got burned pretty badly a couple of times when he was his first start this is crazy him and julius brents were both true freshmen mm. at minnesota against tyler johnson mm. and rashad bateman oh and, yeah and like Riley said, and I remember vividly, I was there, uh, you know, they tested me early long and he ended up with two interceptions was big 10 freshman of the week. And, uh, you know, in 2021, he was, he picked off Michael Penix twice for touchdowns and he had, I think 13 career interceptions, uh, really good ball skills. You can break on the ball, has good hips. Uh, you know, has everything that everybody's looking for. It's just, uh, the, you know, the, the, the little white part of it, you know? <laughs> well, I listen, the, he either can play or not. Yeah. And that's, that is the beauty of sports. Mm-hmm. And and I am glad that the quarterback position has gotten out of that. Yeah. Cause mm-hmm. it was, it, it was weird to me as a kid. And, and you were young yeah. too. when when this time. was going on, like very strange to me, like I didn't understand why anybody cared what color the quarterback was and, 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 and why you would think it was any different. And so I'm glad that part of it's been removed. And that's, it, it's interesting to me with sports because I'm fascinated by like some of these guys that come from other countries that have never seen football before because they just don't know that they could be good at it because yeah. it's not around them. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing. Like you shouldn't shuttle people into a position just because, if you look like this or if you come from this place, you should be good at this. Like, look at what's happened in basketball mm-hmm. where a bunch of different cultures have, have taken over the game and, and it's changed the game and, and, and changed what we think of, you know, what a big guy can do or mm-hmm. what because because all, all of a sudden all these these very large but also very athletic people from, you know, Eastern European countries start coming over and you're like, wait, wait, they can dribble. <laughs> so tall people yeah. can dribble too. Exactly. Like you can do that. Uh-huh. So it's, it, it is, it is really interesting. So that's the way I, I, I feel about with football is high school coaches, all those people just play the guys where they fit best. Mm-hmm. If they're fast, they're fast, play them a corner mm-hmm. and, and it's not that complicated. Well, remember, you know, I, I just got out of high school. I think you were either at the end of your high school career. Charlie Ward is a great example. Oh, my God. Charlie Ward would have been... Now, listen. Charlie yeah. Ward was a first-round NBA draft pick. Exactly. And if you've ever talked to Charlie Ward, and I've actually talked to him about this, like, he's a really measured, smart, humble guy. Uh-huh. And he'll tell you, like, if you're going to be a first-round NBA draft pick... With the guaranteed money, and then you you do, you do that, sure. But can you imagine Charlie Ward mm-hmm. in today's oh. offenses? Oh. Would have been great. I mean, you think about what Vic did once he came in in yeah. 01 or you know two, and then you you put him in 
five, six, seven years earlier. And I know there was an NFL network had a, had a, uh, a show kind of documenting that draft. And it had Carl Peterson with the chiefs talking about, well, should we draft him or not? And I'm thinking, when you look at the Chiefs of the mid '90s, they had that oh. amazing defense with Derek Thomas. Also, and, don't let's not forget Christian Okoye, the Nigerian yeah, nightmare. Uh, yeah, and the hit that Water put on him. But, but you know, Charlie Ward, if he would have been there with them in that era, uh, they would have gotten more out of him. Now, Rich Gannon was really good, and unfortunately, he was number two on that team. I remember Elvis Gerbach very well. I covered him for a year, but I think uh, if you would have had Charlie Ward playing, doing the things that he does well. I just he don't like think he would have. You know? I, I mean, and he, I, he probably would have gone to the NFL if he could have been a, a first or second round draft pick. But I mean, when, when the NBA tells you you're going to be a first round yeah. draft pick, like it, you're going to need some, some guarantees in the football side of things. Sure. And so I, that was what had, he would, I, I think he probably would have gotten drafted mm-hmm. if the NBA had not been an option for him, but he had told people, look, it better be high yeah. because I've I've been told I'm getting drafted high in the NBA, and it's like that's the other thing that's mind blowing to me with Charlie Ward. Like, can you imagine being so good of an athlete that you are the Heisman Trophy winner, mm-hmm. but also a first round draft pick in the NBA? What you think, Dion is probably in that ballpark? Tony yep. Gonzalez, but he was not an NBA guy. Now, Dave, Dave Winfield got drafted yeah, in Major League Baseball, NFL, and NBA. NBA. That I mean, D- Dave Winfield. Might be, I don't know, because it's hard with Dion. Like Dion didn't put any time into basketball or anything because he was playing baseball and football. Seems like he'd be that kind of athlete that could have could have done it all. Yeah. But the Winfield thing is is one of the more mind blowing stats in sports history. Right, and he could have played legitimately. He could have played any of them. Oh yeah, he was just an unreal athlete. Yeah, across the board. And so now everybody specializes. That's it's not not the same thing. But man, it's it's fun to think about this stuff. The 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 way you know, because here's another thing. I, I was talking to somebody the other day about Bill Snyder. Uh huh. And we look at Bill Snyder as kind of this, you know, stuck in his ways, older guy, the, the handwritten notes. Right. Bill Snyder in the late '90s was so far ahead of his time offensively, like what they were doing with Michael Bishop. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine if some of the the other power programs of the time had adopted? That offense at the time? It would have been unreal. He was great. He's fantastic. I mean, he hit above his weight class in, at K-State in that era, no question, because Nebraska was still good. Yes. You know, uh, it was still an elite program, and he was able to, to go toe-to-toe with them. And then they had L. Roberson. They mm-hmm. bounced through there. And one of the things he took care of was there, there's a lot of junior colleges in that part of the world. Yes. And he was able to get a lot of a lot of ju- JUCO talent. But, man, in a schematic-wise, and then there's been very few as good as him. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So, Scott, you are much more into the NFL than a lot of our, our college football writers, and, and as evidenced by, <laughs> by your, your future career as a capologist. But who are you most excited to see work out here in Indianapolis? Oh, wow. Um, I think 
I want to see Quentin Johnson. Oh, yeah. I think he's a top 10 guy athletically, mm-hmm. and I think he can solidify himself there. And it's just a matter of because this wide receiver, first of all, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigma, you know, had that's, he played. That's who I want to see because uh, we haven't seen him in forever. Right. I mean, I saw him just for about seven plays against Iowa this year, and then his hamstring acted up and he couldn't play the rest of the game. But but there's something about Quentin Johnson, his size, his frame, his speed. Can he prove that he is X receiver, number one receiver, Does and can he be a top 10 pick? To me, he's probably one that stands out as a guy I really want to see. Yeah, because the, the other receivers, everybody kind of fits a niche. Like Jalen Hyatt, mm-hmm. he is a take-the-top-off-the-defense right. kind of guy, He's but he's a complementary piece to a, a what you are saying Quentin Johnson might be. Yeah. We don't know yet. But I, I'm with you because I, I thought what he did at TCU, and, and it's in a situation a lot of times where – TCU's opponents knew they're going to feed him mm-hmm. a lot, and he still managed to catch a lot of balls. I loved that uh, cha- Big 12 championship game, him going against Julius Brents. Yeah. I thought that was a great matchup because Brents is a guy that I, you know, we talked to over there, but you know, big, physical, man-to-man corner. He also played a lot of quarter-quarter half when he was at Iowa for three years. But but I, that matchup to me just said, okay, this, these guys are going to go at it for probably another 10 years. Yeah. And I thought... Johnson probably got the best of him in that game, but overall, I think he's probably one, uh, as you mentioned, uh, Smith and Jigba, because I want to see, okay, is everything cool with him? I mean, it feels like the last, is the last full game we saw him play the Rose Bowl against Utah? Last full game, yeah. Yeah, which was unbelievable. Yeah. Now, Utah was was pretty thin in the secondary that game, but it didn't matter. Smith and Jigba had, at that point, probably established himself as the best receiver in the country. Yes. Then, you know, probably got surpassed by Marvin Harrison Jr. <laughs> on his own team. But it's just a, it's a testament to what Brian Hartline has been able to do at Ohio State. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, and, and they're a fan of, of an SEC team. And they're like, I can't believe all these receivers are going to Ohio State. I'm like, why wouldn't you? Yes. Like, all they do is create first-rounders. Look at the last just two and a half years when you tar- talk about Garrett Wilson. Jamison Williams didn't right. crack it, uh, so he left, and he only became, what, the 12th pick overall <laughs> exactly. last year. Uh, you know, Chris Olave, uh, Smith and Jigma is going to be a first-rounder. Marvin Harrison may be a top-three pick mm-hmm. next year because he's actually the best of the bunch, I think. I yes. Mean, just He's like his dad, except a lot bigger. Mm-hmm. You know, smooth route runner, fast, big, physical. If he was out this year, he'd be a top-three or four pick himself. So then, um, then they've got other ones too. Every year, yeah. just kind of cycle through. It's it, it is going to be amazing to see how that all shakes out because, and it's it's interesting because Alabama's well finally ran dry on that one. Now I I suspect that they've got some in the pipeline coming up that are going to replenish that. But that's it's it's funny because we're having the quarterback conversation, and that's what all our I, I've been doing some shows with our NFL team beat writers and like Zach Kiefer who covers the Colts was asking me about Bryce Young because the Colts are definitely in the quarterback market right I feel like Bryce Young is more impressive than other Alabama quarterbacks of recent vintage because he didn't have this year those great receivers Mm -hmm. he did not have the kind of line that those Alabama quarterbacks have enjoyed playing behind Mm -hmm. and you saw Bryce I mean Bryce won the Heisman Trophy when he had uh, Jameson Williams and, and John Mechie. Yeah. And this year, he still led them to an 11-2 and two record. Mm-hmm. And the two games they lost, they barely lost. Right. So, I that's... 
that I don't care how big he is. I do not care what he weighs. Right. I do not care how tall he is. He's the best at football of these quarterbacks. And that's why I, I, I would be excited if I were a fan of a team that takes him. Like, I don't care how small he is. It Just watch him play. You know, when you start to look at, you know, the, the GOAT status of all yeah. these great quarterbacks over the years, size really doesn't matter. I mean, when you look at Tom yeah. Brady, when he was here, you he know, was skinny, 6'4", 211, yeah. skinny, dad bod at age yeah. 21, um, not fast at all, never has been, and even worse, but he's only the greatest to ever do it. Joe Montana, mm-hmm. he's built a lot like Bryce Young, you know, in some ways. I mean, he's probably 6'1". He's bigger, the, yeah. You know, but, you know, you just... Those qualities, uh, you know, the it factor is mm-hmm. what you have to look at. I mean, I understand he's five, he's going to measure what five ten and a half, five right. eleven. Um, he's not, he's not going to be two hundred pounds. So then some people are going to say, well, he can't take a hit. well, he can take a hit. Yeah. You know, other people can't. And I think in his case, um, I think he's got a chance to to be special, do special things. The other one, you know, he's not going to be able to work out. Obviously, Hendon Hooker, yeah, was just unreal this year and yep. and I think he's going to be a steal if I'm like let's say I'm like the Detroit Lions in the third round and you're going yeah we've already had four or five picks um, we, we we like Goff I don't know if we think he can take us to the Super Bowl but he can take him to the playoffs right yeah and he pretty much did last year I mean, they should have made the playoffs yeah. let's be honest right but then you look at Hendon Hooker and you go next year's a redshirt year for him you know mm-hmm. we already got our guy in yeah place. he's coming off a, a late season torn yeah. ACL so if you take Hendon Hooker, you don't take him planning. And, and Hendon coming out of that offense is going to need time yeah. to adjust an NFL offense. But one thing you do not doubt about Hendon mm-hmm. is his ability to lead a locker room mm-hmm. because that was abundantly clear right. at Tennessee. And so that I, I, I do think that's interesting. Now, I, I think the Lions are one that may consider Anthony Richardson mm-hmm. based on where they are. I am... I'm starting to come to grips with this. Okay. I realize I've been saying that I've been taking crazy. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills, and and when I'm on prospects to pros with mm-hmm. Dane Brugler, I, I, I'm I'm just really. You guys are think he's going to go this. Not only having been here, do I think he's going to go in the yeah. top ten? I think there's a chance he might go in the top five. I think now we'll see what happens Saturday. I could be completely wrong. Maybe he's he's not accurate on Saturday, and and there there are more questions. But if he runs, he's going to run a great time. He's going to jump a great jump. His deep ball is going to be more beautiful than anybody else's, right. except maybe C.J. Stroud's. I mean, C.J. Stroud, mm-hmm. he just throws a pretty ball. He does. But Anthony Richardson at that size, at 6'5", at 235, 240, whatever he weighs in at, if he's accurate, everybody in this building is going to come out of it going... Whatever problems he had at Florida, mm-hmm. we can fix them. Yeah, and everybody thinks they're a miracle worker. And here's the problem, though. Every, every single draft class, and I've charted it. I don't have it with me this time. But uh, every single draft class has, for every one that hits, one doesn't. Yes. It doesn't matter what class. Take a look at yeah. all of them. And so for you might have, you know, you look at a Jake Locker, mm. great athlete. The Tim Tebow of the Pacific Northwest. Right, and gone you know yep. christian ponder you know mm-hmm. you have guys like that who look the part 
aren't the part. And I think you look at the same thing. You know, there are four first round guys here. Well, see, um, I take Anthony over those guys because he looks the part more. Mm-hmm. And and so the ceiling is there. The problem is the floor is lower than than definitely lower than a, a Bryce Young or a CJ Stroud. Maybe lower than a Will Levis. I, I I'm not sold on Levis either. Yeah. But I I do think and and you know, everybody brings out the Josh Allen example. Right. And my my response to that is Okay, that's one. Mm-hmm. But here's another one that I keep thinking about more and more. Jalen Hurts did not make the throws in college that we saw him making in the Super Bowl. That's true. That happened after he got in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Like, even, even at Oklahoma, he got better at, at Oklahoma, but he didn't have the, the kind of touch he has on the ball now. So it is possible to really sharpen your skill set and sharpen I mean, uh, Jalen was a very accurate quarterback in college but a lot of the times he was throwing to fairly wide open people because mm-hmm. the the offenses he was running had great running games too that the right. defenses were scared of but so that's where I'm, I'm just I'm sort of dialing it back a little bit on Anthony Richardson because I, I do think from a physical tool standpoint he is going to be the best physical skill set these people have seen since maybe Cam Newton. Wow, that's saying a lot. I, I can see that. I think he does possess so many of those great traits. I, but the thing that people are, that this is what these meetings are going to be about and over the next couple months is, does he have the mental makeup to, to handle the adversity right. the situation? And you look at Zach Wilson, incredible arm. We yeah. wowed everybody in yeah. that. And then, and then just fell apart. Yeah, you know, uh, remember the well, who's the Notre Dame quarterback that went in the second round about three or four years ago? Had a, just an incredible about six four two thirty beautiful. You know, went to Cleveland. I oh, think oh, uh, Deshaun Kaiser. Yeah, Deshaun Kaiser. And then next thing you know, you know, f- faded. He out. threw a pretty ball too. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you have all these examples. Now you got to have a high ego, and you but you also have to know the character of this guy. Can he handle it? Yeah, and, and Anthony's an interesting one because he's he's been. I think some people think he's been a little too honest mm-hmm. when he's had doubts about himself. Like after the Kentucky game this year, and and I remember there was a, a hit in the first quarter, a play in the first quarter where uh, pretty good blocking. He gets through to the second level, and a linebacker named Jarquez Jones, who had transferred mm-hmm. from Ole Miss, was was not a huge guy, like a little bit undersized guy, meets him one on one and plants him. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't ha- that hasn't yeah. happened to Anthony Richardson in probably his entire life, <laughs> and it looked like it freaked him out a little bit. And he throws a pick later uh, to an outside linebacker, just speared it with one hand, like one of those superhuman type yeah. plays. And and he said after the game that he felt like it, that sort of rattled him a little bit. That 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 pick rattled him a little bit. And it's one of the, it's honest yeah. as a reporter. I love the honesty. Sure. I, I think it's great. Is you know it. If you're one of the teammates, if you're a coach, I don't know. Maybe you do want the false bravado, or the, I'm, I, I don't care. Yeah. I like I, I want that my cornerbacks. Like I want yeah. them to forget everything. With a quarterback, I do want I do want them to be thinking a little bit about do I am I putting the ball in harm's way here? All this stuff, but but I I do wonder about that. Like do, as a quarterback, do you have to project that image the entire time, or can you show yourself as a little bit vulnerable? I think as long as you can overcome it, it's it's okay. Um, but there are quarterbacks like Anthony Richardson, Carson Wentz, whatever, are are jailbait for coaches and, and GMs because they look the part, and then you're yeah. drawn in, and you're like, we can do this. You know, he was at Florida; he didn't have great. Oh, Carson Carson Wentz is two teams in yeah. on that. I mean, the the Colts and the the Commanders had yeah. the same 
same thing. Exactly. So. We could fix this guy. He's just this, he's this close. And for whatever reason, it hasn't. And I think it's more mental than physical, it seems. And I wonder that about Anthony, uh, you know, Richardson, if that's the same case, or if he gets, Hey, we're going to, if you're the, let's say you're the Lions. Now I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that there's some, but that, that's gurus, a, but, but that's the right situation for right. him because Jared Goff can play for a year yeah. and you, cause I don't think if you take Anthony Richardson and you try to start him next year, you're making a mistake. Absolutely. Like you're you're potentially ruining somebody who could be great. Mm-hmm. You know, I saw Tim Couch. I know you, that was. Right oh, there. I remember. I remember yeah. Tim Couch very well. You know, at, at Kentucky, he was fantastic. He went to the Browns, and then they ruined him. You know, and he, he got injured, but mentally, you know, by trying to start him out early, David Carr was the same way. Just a fantastic arm and and so you wonder you've got to make sure you build bring them along in the right direction i think bryce young and i think cj stroud could handle that if they go to indianapolis maybe carolina someplace mm-hmm. like that day one you're our starter um it works out well um i'm not as sure about will levis and i'm definitely not i don't think i would put anthony richardson in a position where you'd have to play right away otherwise you'll ruin him and you'll get yourself fired by the way earlier i was talking about deontay lee yeah it, he, I forgot. He came to work yeah, for us. Works for he us. works for us now. Yeah. What am I thinking? Uh, so we just, we just roll deep here at the athletic. <laughs> Good lord! All yeah. we do is add talent. Yeah. So, but it, this is this is going to be a fascinating weekend because the I will be f- very interested to know like what are me and Ari talking about on Monday's show? Mm-hmm. Which players are the ones that the NFL people are buzzing about? Because Sometimes it matches what we saw on the field in college football, and sometimes it just doesn't. Well, you look at running back. That, to me, is probably the biggest indicator because you look at who are the, who are the All-Americans. Well, John Robinson was, was fantastic. We know that part because he's built like that. But guys like Chase Brown, Mo Ibrahim, mm-hmm. uh, Israel Kandabande, you know, those are guys that – were highly sought after, but then they're kind of down. And then you see a yeah. guy like from, you know, Zach Evans who, who transferred right. and was really good, but Dwayne McBride from UAB, yeah. you know, how, do, how does well, it upward? Like Israel Abana candidate Pitt was a touchdown machine. Mm-hmm. Like I believe led, he might've led the, the power five and touchdown yeah. scored. And he, he didn't get a lot of pub because Pitt, you know, won the ACC there before, but was kind of a middling middling team this past right. year and i i, I have a, a back that i keep bringing up that i think will if he gets on the right team everybody's gonna be like how in the world did he fall to tank bigsby from Auburn? yeah like mm-hmm. skill set's great hasn't played behind a very good offensive line mm-hmm. to this point if he goes let's say he winds up on the eagles right like all of a sudden Life gets a lot easier for, for Tank. <laughs> exactly. He's won Roshan Johnson at Texas. Yeah. You know, he was a backup, but you know, it wasn't that long ago. I mean, I guess it was, but when you had Arkansas with Felix Jones and Darren McFadden. And, and Peyton and, Hillis. Peyton Hillis. On the same you team. Know, some really fascinating guys. I mean, it happens in Georgia seemingly every year. Yeah. Uh, you know, Ty J. Spears from Oh, yeah. Tulane. From Tulane. Yep. I think he's going to be a guy that, that tests off the charts or at least is, is there. Ken, uh, Kenny McIntosh is one I'm interested in seeing because Kenny has the reputation of, of, oh, he's a great receiver out of the backfield. But I thought, especially late in the season, that Georgia, he did a good job in between the tackles. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you could say, oh, well, their offensive line is just so much. Maybe, that, maybe that's the case. But I, he looked pretty slippery 
on some of those runs where, you know, yeah. like I remember at the Peach Bowl, it, it didn't feel like those holes were enormous sometimes. And, and he was he was getting through. You know, another one, I, and I got the chance to watch him several years, and that's Mo Ibrahim from yes. Minnesota. Just, he, I, I call him beast mode because he reminds me of, of, of Marshawn Lynch. Marshawn yeah. Lynch. But the one thing with him is he's slated about sixth round. And, okay. That's but, a medical thing, though, isn't right. it? He's got, he's got a ton of... You know, ton of carries in college. Right. He's got knee injuries. He had the the Achilles tear. Oh, Achilles. That's right. Yeah. That's what it is. Okay. So you know, he's had a ton of carries. And but if you're, you know, the the thing is that running back, you don't think of it as maybe a quarterback where it's like an eight to ten year uh, term. You look at it as a three to four year. Oh, term. you look at one contract. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. we've talked about this on the show before, and, and on prospects or pros with Dane, we talk about it all the time. I I don't think you should ever sign a running back to a second contract. <laughs> You can always find somebody else, and it's it's a harsh way of looking yeah. at it, and and you re, you want those guys to be able to get paid. But if you were running the team, the fact of the matter is, you can probably find that production somewhere in the middle of the draft rather than pay a premium for it. Well, you look at Ezekiel Elliott. Right yes, now. you know he's he was the second best running back for the Cowboys, and now you're yeah. Still go back and look at the offensive him. line yeah. that they had his first couple of years. Exactly. It it may have something to do with his success. <laughs> You know, I had, I had a conversation with the, the Bears guys about you know, what do you do with David Montgomery? Mm-hmm. You know, David's been a very productive player, a very good player, but do you pay him or do you go draft Chase Brown from Illinois right. in the fifth round? And feel like you're getting pretty much similar production. Exactly. Yeah. It's a buyer's market when it comes to running back. So I'm fascinated to see what Gibbs, you know, a Shane, you know, those guys are going to do well. Yeah, Zach De- Devon A-Chain from A&M is A-Chain, a really interesting one because... He's a tr- he's he's legit track speed. Like yeah. I can't wait to see what he runs. Mm-hmm. But he's a football player. Like anybody who watched him play at A and M knows he didn't mind carrying between. And he's not big, mm-hmm. but he didn't mind carrying between the tackles against some really nasty defenses. And you can you can return kicks with him. Like, he's pretty versatile. So I wouldn't be shocked if A chain goes high second round. And and becomes a pretty good, pretty good NFL player. I I think you can use him a little way the Jags use Travis Etienne. Okay, would he have any kind of ability to to do what Tyreek Hill does? Maybe I don't think he's as versatile okay. in the pass game, or he's nowhere near as versatile right. in the pass game as Tyreek Hill. But I do think you you can. I mean, from a pure speed standpoint, I don't know if he's quite as fast as Tyreek Hill, but he's close. Yeah, I mean, and the, and that's the thing. If he can break through to the second level, he can he can make some people miss and do some damage. So that's a that's another one. But it's it is uh it's gonna be a, a a fascinating next few months as they break this down and and figure out how they want to order these guys and 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 they put their boards together. We'll be right back after these words, Scott. We uh. We did the typical indie tourist thing, <laughs> and we got to talk about this. Yeah. So we, we, we talk about food quite a bit on this show. Listen, if you go to Indianapolis, and I know half of you listening to this have been to a convention in Indianapolis, and you probably were told to do this. Do it anyway. Yeah. It, it, I know everybody says to do it. Do it because it's awesome. The St. Elmo Shrimp Cocktail, St. Elmo Steakhouse, is a, is a good steakhouse. It is not an off-the-charts, incredible, life-changing experience steakhouse. Now, you also may not be able to get into St. Elmo. Like, we couldn't get into St. Elmo this week. We are not Jerry Jones. 
We, we do not own an NFL team. So we couldn't get a reservation. The good news is Harry and Izzy's same management company next door to St. Elmo, same shrimp cocktail, similar steaks. We had great steaks. Yeah. I, the, the ribeye I had was outstanding. But this shrimp cocktail... I know everybody says, it's just, it's just a shrimp cocktail. It's just shrimp and cocktail sauce. Yeah, mm. but the cocktail sauce has so much horseradish in yeah. it. So we, we did a little video and uh, you know, made sure we, we recorded this for posterity. So here is, uh, here is Scott taking down his first shrimp. We got Scott Dockerman here trying the only thing spicier than Iowa's offense. <laughs> the St. Elmo Shrimp Cocktail, which that, we're having in Harry and Izzy's because I'm not Jerry Jones and I can't get a reservation. Or uh, St. Elmo. Cottage cheese on Thanksgiving, right? That's right. Yes. This is the opposite of that. Watch it singe the nostrils. Woo! How we feel? My nose is on fire. Great. It's like a 44-yard punt that's down on the half-yard line. Saw a lot of those this year. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and that is Scott. And now this is—it was my turn yeah. to uh, to have that first shrimp. And every every time you experience it, and you haven't had it in a while, it feels new. All right, now it's my turn. I have my little shrimp fork. We're gonna grab one of these suckers. The tails are already off because they want you to. The first time I ever came to Indianapolis, I had one of the worst colds I've ever had in my life. The only time I could breathe was eating this shrimp cocktail. That is how good this is. <laughs> but that first time you smell it, it is a it's, a. it's an assault on the senses. It's like a smelling salt. It's that initial whoosh, and then it comes flying through your nostrils. Whoa! It's more tingly than hot. <laughs> the good news is, I have this bacon to wash it down. That's the thing of beauty right there. The, the slab bacon, Scott, was was a an inspired choice by me, I think, to wash that down. It's a perfect setting. You're in Big Ten country, slab of bacon, the first original trophy for Minnesota, Wisconsin. Wrong state, but still, uh, it was beautiful. The slab of bacon trophy. Yes. Why is that trophy not? Oh, this is a great story. Uh, Wait, wait. We need a song to introduce uh, Big Ten trophy story time with Scott Dockerman. (laughs) So I'm going to try to come up with one right now. Okay. Uh, Let's see. They couldn't just play a football game. They needed to play for a trophy, and pork was involved because it was the Big Ten. It's story time. It's Big Ten trophy story time with Scott Doctorman. There you go. There you go. <laughs> well, for the most, the first part of the 20th century, Minnesota and Wisconsin did play for a slab of bacon. Then in World War II, the Minnesota coach at the time, and Bernie Behrman was off to war, so it's decided, hey, this is too trite to be playing for a trophy during a war. Okay, well, so, I, I, I can live with that. And, and so Wisconsin said, okay, they hit, they grabbed the trophy, they kept it, they, they lost it in a storage locker in Camp Randall Stadium. Wait, so is it is it near the Civil Conflict Trophy, the, like at Bob <laughs> Diaco's house somewhere? Uh, well, I know. This one, the, what makes this even better is, well, then they flipped it and they made it the axe, which is a great trophy. Okay, the axe is fantastic. Yeah. What if, what if they use the axe 
to chop the slab of bacon. Or, uh, you know, if Minnesota could ever win them at the same time, he could they chop Floyd of Rosedale, but they haven't oh, done that. Oh, you could plus you years, could cut but. some bacon off of Ro- Floyd of Rosedale. That's true. <laughs> but the the slab of bacon was lost in Camp Randall Stadium until 1994. So for 47, 48 when, years, um, did Barry Alvarez just like find it in a closet somewhere. Yeah, it was it, they were moving some stuff and cleaning some stuff out, and they found it. The funny part was somebody knew that it was there and kept putting all those team scores on it. <laughs> for the last 45 years, but everybody thought it was lost to history. So it is a it is a relic, um, but it's not used anymore. But the slab of bacon, I'm like, we're in Big Ten country, baby. Wow. So I thought the battle for the Bones Trophy when Memphis and UAB mm-hmm. were conference opponents was the best trophy game ever because that's it's the first giant yeah. rack of ribs, basically. The slab of bacon may be better. Scott, have you have you tried that? My local grocery store has started selling pork belly, uh-huh. where you just it, it's it, it's in the in the meat section. You can grab a big hunk of pork belly, and so I've done it where I I, I get that and I chop it up and make bacon burn ends. Mm. Have you had bacon burn ends yet? Yeah, I have. I haven't made them, but I have had them. They're good. They are idiot proof to make <laughs> because there's so much fat in the bacon mm-hmm. that it it renders down beautifully, and you cannot mess them up. It is incredible so that's what man we yes the the axe and the slab of bacon should be it should be a co-trophy game yeah because minnesota and wisconsin are going to keep playing like they're going to be permanent opponents they better yeah so you're going to have you're going to have the axe may as well bring it back Mm -hmm. or games at camp randall are for the axe games in minneapolis are for the slab of bacon that would be and you fun. can possess them both at the same time, but you have to have a winning streak. There you go. That's not bad. Well, I tell you what, I don't know if you heard about this one a few years ago when Minnesota finally beat Wisconsin after like 15 straight losses. Uh, they all brought Axe body spray with them to Camp Randall Stadium. And, uh, the st- so the smell of gentlemen who have just finished a football game combined with Axe body spray. They brought it in their Ooh. bags and then they they sprayed the whole locker room because they wanted to leave the axe. <laughs> that never comes out. <laughs> wow. So, uh, there's a lot of gamesmanship in a lot of those trophy games. I mean, the Floyd I, Rosedale is exactly I'm, the same I, way. I'm yeah. shocked they didn't, they didn't change the motto from row the boat to spray the axe. <laughs> yeah. So I talked to a couple players like that and then I think Wisconsin was going to do something like that again, just to get back at them when, Scott, I should have known. We didn't plan this, by the way. Yeah. We did not plan for Big Ten Trophy Story Time with Scott Dockerman. But we should have known it was going to end this way because <laughs> that's how it always ends with a story about a Big Ten Trophy game, usually pork-related, <laughs> usually cutting instrument-related. Mm-hmm. And now we've combined the two, and we've come up with a great idea and we just need the universities of Wisconsin and Minnesota to do it. And I've got pictures on my phone. It'll take me a million years to get through it. But what Iowa does after it wins Floyd to Rosedale is have a hog roast. Oh, so then they have yeah, the big yeah. hog, and then they have the, the apple in the hog's of mouth. And, and uh, you know, a few years ago, there was the... Uh, Could they put a stuffed Goldie the gopher 
in the hog's mouth. <laughs> I, I feel like that. that would be the better way to oh, handle this. They, there's already so many different things with that history, but like the year when now you can't do that because of the timeout rule that's getting changed, right? Oh yeah, you can't yeah. you can't double ice the kicker. And, and Kirk called three timeouts in a row after PJ PJ Fleck called one, and he's like, "I figured we'd take Floyd home with us and leave the timeouts here." You know, so <laughs> even Kirk Kirk is Kirk is low key salty. Yeah. I appreciate that. That's that's a that's a we we don't like how many scholarships you offer. <laughs> yes. we, we don't like that you offer 450 scholarships a year, yeah. and we've got to we've got to then parse through them. Yeah. So, ah, uh, listen, trophies, timeouts, saltiness. There is no better sport no. than college football. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you again on Monday. 